0: Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling something right. I'm so scared because I fall off my chair. And I'm how I'll get down the Hello, and welcome back to Conversing with the Text. Uh, i a member of Crown Rights Cast Network. Uh, I am, of course, as always, Pastor Michael Ware of Holy Ridge Presbyterian Church here in the great city of Blacksburg, South Carolina. As my brother Tim Brown says all the time, the freest state in America. If you have any questions for me, send us an email to Crown Rights Cast Network or Castnet at gmail.com, net, N-E-T. Uh, we are working through the book of Genesis. And again, we are still in, as you heard, Genesis chapter 2. The last time we were together, we talked about the structure of the garden and the four rivers that split from one and watered the whole earth, from one river and watered the whole earth. And this pointed to uh, we said the Trinity, the tabernacle, and uh, the Holy Spirit, and the, and the Gospels. This week we will talk about man in the garden, uh, working, and the covenant. So will there be three different uh, topics there. We will spend most of our time on the covenants, though. And the reason is that there are many who seek to deny the covenant of works because God does not record for us a cutting of this covenant. Um, the word's not used, as you heard, in Genesis chapter 2. This is no reason at all, though, really, uh, as we should not reject a whole uh, doctrinal system and a long-held doctrinal system of the church based on silence. Um, So let us get started. The first thing that I want to deal with is that Adam was given all he needed and that he was given a job, okay? Those things go together. Uh, we we can see the fact that Adam never had to plant the trees that he needed to survive. So think of, think about that for a second. Uh, had God had God planted all the trees outside the garden, then he took Adam and he placed him in the garden and he said, "Okay, now plant these trees." Uh, Adam would have had to li- left the garden. He'd have had to gone out into the uh, outer land or back into Eden to uh, receive food. He didn't have to do that. He could freely eat from the garden. Uh, because everything was there, um, planted and mature, uh, again pointing again pointing to uh, you know fast uh, or or a short creation week, uh, a, a literal not I don't like to use that term a twenty four hour six days uh, of creation. now uh, the the fact that that the the people of God uh, was was given homes. And, uh, and all that was needed, this, this should remind us of that, of Israel going into the land. In Deuteronomy 6, 10 and 11a, we read, "...so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things." Which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. So they go into the land, and the land is given in such a way that the cities are built. Right? They don't. They don't have to. They don't have to build the cities. The homes are are prepared. The vineyards and the the fruit trees uh, are are there. Um, gardens are there. They have livestock there. They don't. They don't need to start from scratch. right? So as Adam is planned as placed, rather, in the garden temple, he was given all that he needed. Uh, and, and this points to the absolute free grace of all of God's gifts. So I want you to think about something for me. It, even the sinner who will face the wrath of God for eternity needs to recognize, that any good thing he or she has received is only by God's grace. All good things <clears throat> they have received, they have received only by God's grace. Jesus said in Matthew five forty five uh, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So, life... The privilege of making love to your wife, holding a job, eating a cheeseburger, a glass of wine, all these things are gifts from God, right? This is why it is such an offense to our Lord when we are not thankful. Everything that we have has come from Him. So, so think about this for a second. When, when, when you stump your toe and you complain, Right when things don't go exactly how you want them to and you, and you gripe, this is showing unthankfulness for the good gifts that you have been given. When, when we fail to worship or acknowledge the gifts of this life and of life itself, we are denying Yahweh's goodness. <clears throat> we are denying the goodness of Yahweh. We must repent of this. Uh, and, and recognize, and 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 confess. We need to praise, right? We need to recognize from where all good gifts come. James one seventeen. We know this by heart. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, there's no variation or shadow of goodness. God is the giver of good gifts, and we must be thankful. We must be thankful. Next, I want to talk about the fact that man was placed in paradise to work. Many try to tell us that in paradise we will not labor, right? that's that's the humanistic view from uh, the uh, eight, seventeen uh, well, eighteenth, seventeenth yeah, and eighteenth century while they were exploring around the new world um uh, they they kept looking for that paradise, that lost paradise where fruit food's free, drinks free, homes are free, clothes are free, and we don't have to do anything, right? We don't have to do anything. We just we just kind of chill and and relax, right? but but that's not paradise. In fact, for many of us, who are or, who are used to being productive and and trying to do well with our times being good stewards for what we've been given um, I'm not always that please don't think that I'm holding myself up I'm not always that but I try to obtain to that um, to to those people people like my wife right uh, people people like uh, Mark Robinette you know people like that that's not heaven that's hell right they would go back crazy. Uh, having nothing to do but lounge around and 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 uh and do nothing that not being productive that's not it and we know this <clears throat> because this is contrary to what we see here God gives Adam work, and if work and sin were connected, then Adam would not have work to do. he would not have been told to guard and keep. The garden, which I mean, that's what he's told to keep and tend it. That's what "keep" means. We're going to need we're going to need to remember that word because that same word is going to come up in the two chapters, uh, and we're going to have to deal with some bad bad thinking on that phrase, and I mean, even from some very good theologians. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so he was to keep the garden, right? He was to tend and keep the garden. The keep is to guard, to set a guard on. And to and to protect um, from invaders, he, he, we're going to see in a couple of weeks he didn't do very good at that. But but we need to remember this: God cursed our work, but work is not a curse. Okay, we we need to remind ourselves when we complain about the good jobs that God has given us and the many benefits that come from the the labor of our hands. Um, we we were made to work. We're made to labor. We know that this is true if we look at the faithful when they have no work. I've mentioned this already, right? Put Mark Robinette in a room with nothing to do and no one to teach, and he's going to go crazy. He's just going to lose his mind. There is the likelihood that depression will creep in as we find ourselves without a purpose. Right. It's it's always it's always the person that doesn't have any duties, that have set themselves up in such a way that they rely on other people to provide for them that ask questions like, What's the purpose of life? Man, go to work, get you a job, find something to do. You'll quit asking that question. You know, your purpose is to make widgets and to raise your family. Go make widgets, go make the best widgets you can make and raise your children. Right? That's the purpose of life anyway. We must find something for our hands to do, because being made in the image of Christ, we are made to work. We are made to create. We are made, made to build and, to, and to, uh, to restore and to fix and to um, establish. That's, that's what we're made to do. Paul addresses this in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10-12, where we read, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this... If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. You get that? You don't work, no food for you, right? For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner. It's disorderly not to work. And he follows this up. Walking in a disorderly manner, how is that? Not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, this should be a shot to men because men who don't work, you're a busybody. I'm telling you, without fail, a man who doesn't have a full-time job and something to do with his hands and people to interact with become like busybody women. They complain and whine. uh, They're in somebody's business all the time where they don't belong, and they're constantly meddling. Paul says don't do that. That person, if you have a person in your church that's that way, you need to admonish him to get a job because he shouldn't be given any food if he doesn't. No food for you. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, is what I just said, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Shut up and go to work. Shut up and go to work. My daddy used to have a saying and I can't say it fully because he used colorful language, but but he would say, if you can't if you can't work and talk at the same time, shut up period. There you are, right? Now, we can go in many directions, uh, many different directions with this teaching, but the place I want to stick our courage is in the place of Christian socialism. This is an oxymoron. That means two contradictory things being put together, if you don't know what an oxymoron is. Uh, you're, a, you're a moron if you use oxymorons. If you say, I'm a Christian socialist, then you're a moron. I mean, you're, you're, you, you just use an oxymoron. There are some who seek to take the account of acts and make it some kind of communist commune. And 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 let me say this I hadn't planned to say, but I want to say this kind of struck me. I want you to I want you to understand that one of the reasons that we that we have this problem. One of the reasons that we have this problem is is futurist interpretations of every verse of the Bible. Every verse most futurists come to, they distort it to mean either today or down the road, right? It 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 cannot it cannot have anything to do with God, what God promised, and then brought to pass. And so we're going to show you that's exactly that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what is the case here, right? It it it's because this is contrary to what Acts teaches. They were selling all their property because the king, Jesus, had told them he was coming and was going to destroy those murderers and burn their city. Matthew 22, 1 through 7 says, And Jesus answered and spoke spoke to them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out... Other another other servants, sorry, saying, "Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding." But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his, his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. All right, now this is a parable, but it is a parable that is comparable to the teaching on the kingdom. Remember how Jesus started this parable? The kingdom of heaven is like. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. Well, how is the kingdom of heaven is like that? How is the kingdom of heaven like this? The kingdom of heaven is like this in that God, Jesus Christ, died for the sinners. He died for the nation of Israel. He died for his people, Israel, and for the Gentiles, all those who would be brought in later. And he gave them 40 years, Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, I believe. Uh, He gave them a full generation to repent. They made light of it, they killed Stephen. They killed uh, James. They they killed scores and scores of others. Had them crucified, beaten, murdered, confiscated their goods. Right, all this went on for forty years. And then guess what? The king came, Matthew twenty four, and destroyed that city and killed those mur- destroyed those murders and burnt their city down. Eighty seventy. Right. They did not want to have roots connecting them. To the city that was doomed to destruction, it had been given over to the ban. Look at Jeremiah. God did to Jerusalem what He was what He did to Jeremiah in Joshua's day, right? He sent out His armies, the Roman armies, with the, the Sidonians and and others, other armies, and they destroyed they destroyed Jerusalem, right? Just as just as Christ promised. So what it was is they didn't want have they didn't want to have to worry about real estate. Rather, what they did is they sold it to people who didn't believe and gave them a good price for it, and then they turned around and gave to the needy and lived off the rest. Right? Why? So that, so, so that when when Christ came in judgment on the clouds, like he told the high priest, right? You won't see me again until you see me coming in the clouds with the angels. Well, now, I, I just want to say, it's really, really hard to believe that we're going to take that literally if, uh, if we're 2,000 years later and the great high priest is dead. So he can't see him coming on clouds of glory anyway. So, right, they were being they were prepared so that they wouldn't come down off the housetop and go in and get anything. They would go straight to the mountains just like Jesus said to go, right? It is also contrary to all the law of God... Right? that is communism, is contrary to all the law of God. Right, All of it. As property rights are assumed in almost every law uh, or every case law of the Pentateuch. Almost without exception, there has to be some understanding of this is mine and not yours. Right, So, so think about this. Think through this with me. You cannot steal community property. <laughs> can you if it's community property and you're in the community it's yours it's kind of like saying i stole from myself hey michael michael put that put that down you're stealing from yourself it's stupid it's just plain stupid to think that we can steal something that belongs to us it's mine how can i steal something be- if we have sh- if we if we all have all things alike right as as the as Luke says that they did, and that means that we're um, on some kind of, you know, communist hippie communal uh, farm somewhere, then I can't take your radish. You don't own anything, right? You can't take my carrot. It belongs to everybody. That's, that's what communism means, right? It's why it's the people's everything, right? The people's army. You know, the, the the people's trash can, the, the people's city, the people's country. No. No, it belongs to the five or six elite people who have the rest of you jokers as slaves. That's what communism is. And you don't own anything. And they own everything. And that's not Christian. That's not Christian. You 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 need to you need to quit listening to uh, the shiny haired guy who's telling you everything's perfect and read your Bible because that's not what that's not what this that's not what the Bible teaches it just isn't okay I could go on with that uh, you know infinitely but I'm not gonna next we we will we will take some time and deal with the Covenant of works now this is not my favorite title of this covenant I I believe it I believe it's real I know why the the reformers and especially the Westminster use the terminology that it did. Um, things change, word uses, uses change, and uh, it's not my favorite because there are several reasons that, that I actually attempt to outline in my sermon uh, on this section of Scripture. Uh, look it up on YouTube. Uh, you can search Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church. You also could go to Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church on Facebook. I think you look at our videos. Um, it's there too. And, uh, and praise God, Robert dutifully um, always lists what Scripture I'm covering um, from week to week, but I don't want to get into all that here. What I would rather call it uh, is the covenant of creation, or the creation covenant, uh, as as outlined by certain other more modern uh, theologians, and 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 I really like um, their reasoning. Um, the one especially, um, "Christ of the Covenants," is the book uh, I highly recommend it. If you if you are new to covenant theology, or you're not sure where you stand, or or you know how you should come at it if you got come from a Baptist background, um, and you go, "What what is it all all this you're talking about?" Well, this this is a really good book, um, "Christ of the Covenants," um, and I'll think of his name tonight in the middle of the night. I'll go, "Oh, that was it. I should have said it," but it's it's uh, it's left me now. Um, but but the the reason is that the the covenant made the the reason that I like this title. I, the reason I like. Um, Covenant of creation or creation covenant is because it is the actual covenant that was made with Adam when he was created. Right. And it and it seems to me that there are two good reasons to see this as a covenant. So what we what we read today, the reason that I believe uh that, that is a covenant, I think this this is what's going on here when God's speaking. So first, God never deals with any people who become his people without a covenant. God always when he condescends to deal him uh, to reveal himself rather to man he does so through a covenant. So I want you to think through this with me. Every time we see that God brings people into a propitious relationship with himself, he is he is bestowing his grace on them, he's removing them from not his people to his people. At every stage in redemptive history, he does this through a covenant. He does this through a covenant with Abraham. He does it with Noah. He does it with David. He does it in the new covenant with the church. Always it's a covenant, and he always does that. Now, here's the thing that we need to work through. No matter how good, how perfect, how wonderful, how lovely Adam was, he still is a creature. And God had to condescend, because he's outside of us, he had to condescend to reveal himself to Adam. He had to do that, because he's transcendent. He's above the creation. He's outside of it, right? we got to get our minds wrapped around that. He is not a creature, right? We're twoist. remember? We, we believe that there are two. There's two. There's the creature, which includes all things that are created, and the Creator. There's, there's two. That's where the battle is being fought right now. The hottest are there two, or is there one, right? Because a lot of Christians are giving up their one, their two ness, and and sliding, sliding uh, more and more east to use Genesis language into oneism, and that's. It's why homosexuality has become so prevalent, it's why they want you not only to agree. It, it was not enough to just say they could do it without, without making it illegal. Now they want you to agree with it. Well, now that's going to the point where they want you to be gay too. You have to, you have to be a oneist, or, or, you, or you're a heretic. You're, you're, you're not keeping um, with their thinking. So there has to be a covenant here between God... The Creator and Adam, the creature. So he, he, he would. It only makes sense that he would do the same in his revelation of himself to Adam. He would cut a covenant. Now, second, and even better, in my opinion, God Himself tells us this is what He did with Adam. Hosea six seven says, "But like men, they transgressed the covenant." There they dealt treacherously, treacherously with me. Excuse me. Now this says like men, but we need to remember that Adam is one of the Hebrew words for man. This would then mean the same thing, right? Even if this means mankind. So follow my logic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just lay this out for you. If I am if I'm wrong, right? And this shouldn't be translated Adam, the personal name. Of the first man ever created but rather mankind as a whole then then it, it it's virtually no change in the theology virtually no change in the theology F- follow my logic if hosea means quote but like mankind they transgress the covenant then we have a problem what covenant God has made but one covenant with mankind. Now, now He made that covenant with Adam and all His posterity in Him. Now, if we are not in Christ, we are in Adam, right? I, and I don't, I, I don't know of any doctrinal uh, position, stance, or group of people that would deny this. Right? They would use the same language Paul uses. You're in Adam or you're in Christ. There's only, there's only two options. Well, how are you in Christ through the New Covenant? Okay, okay, so just follow me here. If we can take everything that applies openly in the New Testament to Christ and then apply it to the first Adam who he is supposed to who's supposed to be a type of Christ then and and I believe that's that's I believe that's how we're to do things where well, we can. I mean, if at all possible. That's what we should do. So, so no covenant, no guilt. No covenant, no re- re- no, no redemption, right? If there's no covenant guilt, there's no covenant redemption. It's just, just plain and simple. All right. So, real quickly, what I'd like to do is I, I think there's a little more proof uh, that, that there was a covenant. First, we see that all the elements of the covenant are present, right? In Gary North's book, Covenants, which is uh, really cheap on uh, American vision it used to be if you if you don't mind reading electronic uh, documents um, it's it I mean it's like two dollars and I don't want to tell you it's worth 20 it's 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 great right it's just um, it's really good anyway um, but in that book he uses the acronym theos um, and I'll use it because it's the tool I use to help me remember on the fly the five parts of the covenant structure that we see in every covenant, including this here with Adam. The T stands for transcendent. This sets out the fact that there is a God, the Creator, and and He is able to give commands. He's above us. He is, uh, he is above us. He's outside of us. These stipulations are handed down as the law of the covenant, right? And there's always a law of the covenant. We know both from Genesis that God is the creator of Adam, 1, 26 through 27, and he also gave a law, 2, 16 through 17. Yahweh, the covenant name for God, is the name used throughout the close-up look at man's creation, Genesis chapter 2, of day 6 of creation, to emphasize that he is Lord. So over and over and over again, God goes from Adonai to Yahweh or Yahweh Adonai, and it, and the reason is is God wanted to emphasize this. There's a covenant here. This is my covenant name. This is the covenant name that will be given to to Moses to give to the people. And this is my covenant name. This is this is who I am. All right. The H stands for hierarchy. This means that God placed mankind, man, men and women in a hierarchical system. God, as we discussed, placed man in authority over the created order, right? He gave him dominion. He is to bring all things under Christ's fi- or under God's feet, rather, jumping the gun the- theologically. But always man is to remember that he is under God in this system. R- refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on the resurrection. It's a very good place to see that that's that that's actually what goes on. I think Hebrews chapter 2 Touches on the fact that um, not all things were placed under man's feet. It doesn't seem that way now, but we have, but we see Christ, right? He uses that play on words. He says we don't see everything placed under man's feet right now, but we see Christ, right? And so, and that's the, the point he's making is it's coming, it's coming, it's gonna happen anyway. But always, right? But always, man is to remember he's under God. So that's the hierarchy. There's there's God. And then there's Adam. That's clear in the text. And, of course, this is what God did in, in chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Ethics is the E. This speaks of of right and wrong actions. We hate boundaries almost as much as we need them. But God fenced in Adam and Eve, right? God commanded them not to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge. Here is the law, right? We, we need to understand something. The concept of law... Uh, Paul makes very clear that law is only needed where there's transgression. Law is not for righteous people, right? And we, get, we stumble on that a lot because we're called righteous, but we're not righteous in ourselves. So this doesn't mean that because we have the righteousness of Christ, we no longer need the law of God. No, what Paul is saying is the only people that need law are those who commit sin, those who, those who are disobedient to God. That's everybody. So everybody needs the law. The law is added because of transgression, right? So Adam didn't have any transgression. The only law he needed, right, was the arbitrary test law, the law to see if if Adam would obey straight up just because it was the command of God. And it was only for a time. Um, if you don't hold to that, I'm sorry, you're wrong. But, but that's, that's what we see here. So God gave a law to Adam in that way. So that's you know, don't eat, don't eat the fruit. Then the oaths are the consequences. What happens if we break the law, right? And we need that. Uh, and and Adam got that. this This was the warning of certain death, right? And the day that you eat a, thereof, it you will surely die. right? Okay, there it is. And then the succession, and this is very important for Christians today because we fell at this so badly. This is set out for Adam as the blessing of fruitfulness chapter 1 26 through 28 now what we need to understand we are to bring our children up in the covenant community right and we are we are we are to command them to believe we're to command them to believe and we're to treat them as if they believe right and then we're we're to we're to we're to help them to obey um we're we're we are to be preparing our children to take our place and pass the promises on to the to the next generation, our grandchildren and our great grandchildren. Right? We also have the two trees as memorials of the covenant. Now, this is very important, as I've already pointed out. Life uh, and knowledge trees uh, would be a reminder uh, to both God and to Adam. Right? To the one, the promise of fel- felicity. God promised, God promised good to Adam if he obeyed. There was was a chance for standing perpetual righteousness to be counted to Adam and all of his seed forever. And then, felicity of heaven when uh, he was given access to the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge was a reminder of the promise that God had made to Adam. This is all the time we have. I hope that you have enjoyed episode 16. Uh, Let others know about us, and contact us, and let us know what you think uh, at uh, crownrightscastnet at gmail.com. And as always, walk in a manner worthy of Christ to please God.